Before the episode starts, I'd like to let you know of a discount code that was shared with me from Dr. Judson. If you'd like to get the nitric oxide supplement that he talks about in this episode, you can get that from affirmscience.com using the code biohackers15. That's biohackers and then the number 15 at the checkout phase at affirmscience.com to get your discount on their supplement. Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Cohen, and on today's episode, I have Dr. Judson Brandeis. Dr. Brandeis is a urologist who has been in practice for more than 20 years, but has always been on the cutting edge of urology. He started using the Da Vinci surgical robot for cancer surgery years before Stanford used it. He opened the busiest kidney stone center in the Bay Area, and now Dr. Brandeis dedicates his practice to full-time sexual medicine, including using the latest technology called Gainsway for erectile dysfunction. He has also appeared on various TV shows, including The Doctor's TV Show. Justin, thanks so much for coming on for an episode for today. Oh, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. So we're going to be talking about a topic that maybe a lot of men or uh, couples might be slightly embarrassed by, but they need to really know about it, which is erectile dysfunction and how important that is for men's health and sexual health, which is what you dedicate your practice to now. Absolutely. So, you know, people shouldn't be embarrassed, first of all, because it's a normal part of aging. It's a normal part of life. So um, erectile dysfunction is loss of blood flow to the penis, same way that uh, heart disease is loss of blood flow to the heart, and people don't get embarrassed going to the cardiologist. They shouldn't be embarrassed going to the urologist. Mm. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring this topic up, because I had a previous guest on the show, and he talked about his prostate cancer story. And a part of prostate cancer treatment is potentially that you end up with erectile dysfunction. Um, and again, it seems to be like a hush-hush thing that maybe you don't want to mention that around other people, but it's an important topic. And this, we're speaking in September now, and September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month too, so it's a good time um, to be talking about this. Absolutely. Prostate yeah. cancer is the most common cancer in men uh, after uh, basal cell carcinoma of the skin, but uh, it's the second or third leading cause of death in men uh, from cancer. So it's really important to talk about. And it's essential to talk about erectile dysfunction because erectile function is at the core of uh, who men are, really. I mean, that's it gives us our self-confidence, our self-worth, and a lot of men get prostate cancer. And part of that treatment potentially compromises erectile function. And so it's really critically important to talk about the things that we can do to prevent erectile dysfunction in the treatment of prostate cancer. Cool. So you touched on it a little bit earlier, um, but can you just explain to listeners again, so what is the definition of erectile dysfunction? Well, erectile dysfunction, uh, most patients, uh, most people consider it the inability to have penetrative intercourse. Um, you know, you can have ejaculation with a flaccid penis. You can uh, have sexual enjoyment without a, a, a rigid penis but you can't have penetrative intercourse with a, without a rigid penis. Okay. And so, so when, how would you um, do a diagnosis of that then as a doctor? Uh, how, is there a particular way? Because maybe some men listening to this or couples think he has an issue, but they're not quite sure. How would they, how would they know? Right. Well, there are different types of erectile dysfunction. The most common is vasculogenic, meaning the problem with blood flow and the, the, the 
primary problem is blood flow. And that's about 85, 90% of men with erectile dysfunction. And so you can do uh, what's called a duplex ultrasound. So you would inject a medication to artificially generate an erection, and then you can use an ultrasound to visualize and quantify blood flow into the penis. The other thing you can do is uh, an abdominal ultrasound where you look at the blood flow into the aorta and into the iliacs, which branch off the aorta, and then look at the blood flow into the penis. So it, the critical issue really is blood flow to the penis. Now, the other part of this is maybe uh, neurogenic. So if a man has a non-nerve sparing prostatectomy, then the nerves to the penis are cut. Or if they have type 1 diabetes and really have neuropathy, or if they have a stroke or multiple sclerosis. So there are a number of reasons that men have neurogenic erectile dysfunction. And so that's a little bit more difficult to diagnose. You diagnose it basically based on history. And then there's psychogenic issues. So, so some men are so anxious or scared that they produce a lot of uh, adrenaline and adrenaline works against getting an erection. So there are a number of tests that we can do to look at the blood flow into the penis. And if the blood flow is adequate, then it may be a neurogenic or a psychogenic issue. If the blood flow is subpar, which is the case in about 85% of people, then we call it vasculogenic. Okay, that's, that makes it nice and simple. So it's, yeah, are you getting enough blood or is it a nerve issue or is it, as you said, maybe a psychological issue? Those are the three main types, but the blood one's the big one. Exactly. Yeah. And so talking about that, you touched on it there, which is interesting. Um, is there only type 1 diabetics that are more prone to this or could type 2 diabetics also be prone to this? Absolutely. Type 1 and type 2. Type 1 diabetics tend to have it for a longer period of time because it's an earlier onset. And so the neuropathy uh, gets worse uh, because they've had it for such a long period of time. Okay. And so with a diabetic course, I'm just bringing up the diabetes because a lot of listeners here are interested in like the low carbohydrate diets for managing mm -hmm. glucose control. So they may be interested in the diabetic angle on this. Um, is it typically just the neurological side? So the nerve function with diabetes or is it also because diabetes can cause vascular problems? Yeah, unfortunately it's both. Um, you know, diabetes, oh, let me show you my little uh, vascular model. So initially your blood vessels are clear. This is what happens when you're born. But as you get older, your blood vessels begin to get clogged. And diabetics, uh, this accelerates. And so diabetics are three times more likely to have erectile dysfunction and to have blood vessels that look like this rather than this. And so the, the area of a blood vessel is pi r squared. So as the diameter decreases by a half, the um, surface area basically decreases by three quarters. And so it's really difficult to get blood flow to go through a blood vessel that looks like this, much easier to get a blood flow that goes through a blood vessel like that. And so that the diabetics really have a, a, a difficult time with this because they have neuropathy, which affects the nerve signal to the penis, but they also have uh, a vasculogenic erectile dysfunction with clogging of the arteries. And so diabetics, if diabetics want to maintain erectile function later into life, they really have to concentrate on keeping that hemoglobin A1C down. And they have to concentrate on all of the things that they potentially can do to increase blood flow throughout the body, but especially the penis. Okay, interesting. So yeah, uh, just another reason to keep your, uh, your glucose in control. Um, if you want to have uh, long-term sexual health uh, maintenance there. Um, so I'd also be interested then, um, 
could it be that uh, someone may not realize they have diabetes and erectile dysfunction could be the first symptom that they that leads them into that? You know, I think that would be relatively uncommon, but not unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are all, all sorts of different reasons that that patients discover that they have diabetes and erectile dysfunction certainly could be one of them. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking of some, there may be some people again um, who might not realize they 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 are they are diabetic because even now we're, we're getting different classifications like a type three diabetic potentially. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's just it'd be interesting with that. But um, what well, is- the interesting thing is that erectile dysfunction is sort of the canary in the coal mine for health. So they've done studies showing that from the onset of erectile dysfunction, if you look out seven years, there's a 15% chance that you have a major cardiac event. So erectile dysfunction really is the first thing to go. So if you think about it, if you think about your circulation, when your heart pumps, the first place that pumps blood is the heart. And then it goes to the brain, then it goes to the lungs, then it goes to the liver, then it goes to the kidneys, then it goes to the intestines, then it splits into left and right, it goes down the leg. And then the next branch is what's called the internal iliac. And the internal iliac goes to the pelvis. And so the branches that go into the pelvis go to the buttock muscle, goes to the tailbone, goes to the bladder, goes to the prostate, goes to the vas deferens, goes to the rectum. And the very last branch of the last major artery is the internal pudendal, which then becomes the penile artery. So the thing that guys think about the most is the last thing that gets blood. And so the critical thing really is to have strong circulation because you have to think about you're pushing blood to the last place that your body sends blood. Yeah. So anything that you can do to improve circulation is really going to be critically important. Yeah. Okay. And so we're going to get into a lot of those um, treatment options for, for this. And that's, I guess, going to be a part of that. Um, but I'd also like to just maybe cover a topic. I don't know if it, it does come up in, in your office sometimes, but is erectile dysfunction the same as a low libido? You know, first of all, almost everything comes up in my office, (laughs) but (laughs) low libido has to do with testosterone. So testosterone is a hormone that's produced in the testicles and the testosterone gives you drive, gives you sex drive, gives you energy, helps you sleep better, improves your mood. Uh, And as men age, it's called Adam, the androgen deficiency of the aging male. So as you age, your testosterone slowly declines over time. And so a really important part of uh, maintaining erections is improving testosterone. And it's not that the testosterone improves the blood flow, but if you're able to get an erection, but you don't have enough libido or energy to actually want to have intercourse or want to have physical intimacy, then what's the point of, of, uh, of getting an erection? So, uh, testosterone and um, male hormones are different than getting an erection, but certainly related because it gives you the desire to want to use it. Okay. Because what's interesting is um, sometimes uh, I've seen in forums when people say they change their diet, that suddenly their sex drive goes up. And and uh, it, yeah, I guess in this case, some people may, I just wondered if there's no issue here then uh, that changing the way you eat suddenly made you erect erectile dysfunction go away maybe or is is that sometimes even a treatment option the way you eat may increase testosterone which makes you want to actually have intercourse more or makes you want to pursue the some of the the better things in life Uh, because i you know you obviously know a whole lot more about this than i do Uh, 
but uh, eating improves the way you feel, improves testosterone, and makes you want to live life to uh, in, in a better way. Mm-hmm. Cool. So maybe let's get into some of the treatment options then. So if someone comes in and then you've you've done the diagnostic testing. Um, and you figured out, I guess, you know, it's either one, two, or three, which we discussed earlier. Uh, do you have different treatment options for the different types of erectile dysfunction? Sure. Well, I mean, the, a lot of patients come into my office and they've already tried PDE inhibitors like Viagra, like Cialis. Uh, they're kind of a standard first uh, tier approach that most primary cares, when patients come in with erectile dysfunction, they'll hand them a bottle of Viagra. Um, the problem with Viagra is that it's not, it doesn't fix the problem. It temporizes the problem. And what we want to do really is address what the underlying issues are and fix the problem. And so one of the easiest things you can do is improve the levels of nitric oxide. So nitric oxide is a neurotransmitter. Neurotransmitters are chemicals that your body produces that allow your nerves to communicate. And in this case, nitric oxide is a a chemical that your nerves use to communicate with blood vessels. As you get older, your nitric oxide levels decline. So I'm 52. My nitric oxide levels are probably 50% of what they originally were. By the time you hit 70, and we have a fair number of patients who are 70, your nitric oxide levels will be 20 to 25% of what they should be. And so if you think about this like a dimmer switch on a light, If you turn the dimmer switch down to 20%, you can still walk around a room, but you're not going to be able to speed read and you're not going to be able to do surgery. And so nitric oxide boosters non-specifically increase circulation throughout your entire body. So nitric oxide boosters will increase cognition. They'll increase uh, blood flow. So a lot of elite endurance athletes will take nitric oxide boosters. They've been shown to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's, reduce the risk of dementia. And they improve erectile function by increasing blood flow to the penis. And so with these nitric oxides, they're they're different to Viagra then. So this is another option outside of Viagra. So Viagra actually works in a a simplistic way. Viagra works by preventing the uptake of nitric oxide. So the two of them work together by improving the levels of nitric oxide and then blocking the reuptake of nitric oxide you improve the signal. So the two of them work together to improve the signal. Now, the other aspect of this is the pipes, right? If you turn on the signal, but your pipes are clogged or your pipes are blocked, then you're not going to get blood flow coming to the penis. And that's where Gaines Wave comes into play. So Gaines Wave uses low-intensity shockwave therapy to stimulate a healing response in the body. And a healing response in the body grows new blood vessels. So this was actually discovered, shockwaves were discovered in World War II when they were trying to blow up submarines. And they noticed that the shockwave from the explosion caused massive internal damage. And 20 or 30 years later, the Germans figured out that you can use these shockwaves if you focus them to break up kidney stones. And about seven or eight years ago in Israel, a scientist decided to try shockwave therapy on the penis. Now, I don't know what was going on with that guy when he decided to try to do that, but what he discovered was that you can stimulate the growth of new blood vessels and clear out the calcifications in old blood vessels 
by using shockwaves. And so these low intensity shockwaves go into the penis. And what they do is, first of all, they stimulate Schwann cells. Schwann cells are nerve cells, so it improves the sensitivity of the penis. The next thing that they do is they cause endothelial microtrauma. So the endothelium is the lining on the inside of blood vessels. It's a really, really important organ. Even though it's only one cell layer thick, it manages the tension and the tone of your vasculature. And if you cause microtrauma to the endothelium, you'll cause the, the activation of stem cells. Stem cells are cells in the body that can become anything. And in this case, they become new blood vessels. You also cause the release of vascular endothelial growth factor. So it's a growth factor that causes new blood vessels. So you're planting a seed and then you're putting fertilizer on it. And then it causes activation of endothelial nitric oxide synthase or ENOS, which causes the release of nitric oxide. So you're dilating these blood vessels. So you're planting the seed, you're fertilizing it, and then you're opening up the blood vessels. And after about four or five weeks of, um, of gains wave, you'll notice a significant improvement in erectile function. So with this, you're, you're doing shockwave therapy to the penile artery that you mentioned earlier that can get calcified or, or blocked? Exactly. Okay, so here's a cross-section of the penis. And so this is a flaccid penis, and this is the deep cavernosal. Can you see that okay? Yes. This is the deep cavernosal artery. So this is a cross-section of the penis. I wouldn't recommend creating a cross-section of the penis at home, although I've seen that before. This is the blood vessel that gets fed by the internal pudendal artery, and this is the artery that creates an erection. Now, you notice there's a difference between that and that. When you get an erection, you reach a critical point. So you're increasing blood pressure. You're pumping blood into the penis. You see these blue things right here? So these are veins. So the way that you get a rigid erection is as the penis increases in size, as you're pushing blood into this spongy tissue, you have to get it to the point where it blocks the outflow of blood to these emissary veins, right? Because in the body, Blood flows in through arteries, blood goes out through veins. If you don't block the veins, then you get, you know, that soft direction that you get where the penis is big, but it's not rigid. In order to have penetrative intercourse, you have to have a rigid erection. And the way that you get a rigid erection is you block these emissary veins. Once you block the venous return, then you get a rigid erection. And once you get an rigid erection, the arteries are still pumping blood in and the blood pressures in the penis get up to two or 300. So think about your, your aorta has a blood pressure of 120 over 80. The penis gets blood pressures of 200 to 300. And that's how the penis goes up, right? Because the penis is the only body, the only organ in the body that moves entirely based on blood flow. There's skin in the penis, but there's no muscle. And so you have to get enough blood pressure to block the backflow of venous blood and then have their erection go up. And that's where, again, so the shockwave therapy here helps to get better blood, as you said, a cascade of events. But if you have a blocked artery, then it's going to go in and allow more blood to engorge that spongy tissue? Right. Well, not it doesn't 
necessarily open up a big blocked artery, but what it'll do is it'll create collateral circulation. So if the main highway in town is blocked, you'll develop new side roads to get to wherever you need to go. And so uh, that's what, that's what uh, shockwave therapy will do is it'll stimulate the growth of new blood vessels or stimulate the increase in size of the existing blood vessels that you have. Uh, gotcha. Okay. So, um, and in this case, yeah, as, as long as you can get enough blood in there and block off the veins, and then that's a, a good job. <laughs> you get the result that you're looking for. I mean, uh, the amazing thing is that um, so many of the treatments for erectile dysfunction are uncomfortable. So if you have a penile implant surgery, that's uncomfortable. If you use Trimix intracavernosal injection, you have to stick a needle into your penis every single time you want to have uh, an erection. Shockwave therapy or Gainswave is not uncomfortable. We just use some uh, local numbing cream for patients and uh, it's super easy. Yeah, I mean, I actually have a machine right here and yeah. I can demonstrate it live for you. Yeah, I think people watching on the YouTube video are going to love this. Yeah, hang on one second. Sure. I told you we have good props. <laughs> so this is the shockwave device. And this, there are two different types. There's an electromagnetic and a pneumatic. This is a pneumatic device. So air pushes a little bullet, which is in this chamber. And that bullet hits this strike plate. And that produces the shockwaves. With an electromagnetic, they just flip the electromagnetic polarity and it bounces that little uh, bullet back and forth. Okay. So this is what it sounds like. Yeah, I can hear that. And I can just put my hand up against it. It doesn't, doesn't hurt. And then if you take your penis, what we'll do, that's not my penis. It's <laughs> a uh, plastic penis. My penis isn't that long. <laughs> and so what we do is we bring the shockwave alongside the penis, stimulating that deep cavernosal artery. Okay, but the other thing we want to do is we want to get the internal pudendal. So what we'll do is we'll go below the testicle, below the scrotum, Stimulate the internal pudendal artery right there. So we'll do one side, and then we'll do the other side. We use about 10,000 shocks. It takes about 15 or 20 minutes. Like I showed you, this is not uncomfortable. I mean, that's my arm, it's not my penis, but it's not particularly, not particularly uncomfortable. Okay. No, I mean, that was. That was great there just to visualize because, again, with this this kind of sensitive area, people are going to be maybe a bit worried thinking <laughs> shockwave. Yeah, shockwaves sound like, you know, you're going to shock my penis? Yeah. <laughs> but really, it's not so bad. Okay. And so for, for a, say, a 55-year-old guy with mild erectile dysfunction who's on Viagra, uh, and Viagra works, um, and the fact that Viagra works is good, it means that they're going to succeed with Gainswave. But the thing is, if you're 55, and you have to take a Viagra pill every single time you want to have uh, intercourse, it really kind of eats at who you are as a person. It eats at your self-confidence. Uh, if you're worried about losing your erection every single time, 
you produce these stress hormones and the stress hormones actually work against getting an erection, right? It produces adrenaline. And think about the situations where you need adrenaline. They're not the situations where you're wanting to have intercourse. They're the situations where you're running away from a bad guy or you get into a fight with someone. And the last thing you want to do when you're getting into a fight with someone is to have an erection, right? So if you're nervous about getting up to the plate and swinging and missing, you know, then that's not the hormonal situation where you're going to benefit from these kind of things. And so with gains with like six gains wave treatments, we can get a guy who previously was responsive only to Viagra to a point where he doesn't need Viagra anymore. It really builds confidence and it, it improves life tremendously. Cause I know now Viagra is generic. It's only a dollar or two a pill. And so a lot of guys will take it, but do you really want to have to rely on a pill every single time you want to have intimacy? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's you're getting, as you said, to the roots of the problem there, you, you know, you're, you're getting directly onto those blood vessels and stimulating. Yeah. And you said uh, what it was six sessions and potentially someone might not even need for 20 minutes each. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. and, and in that case there, those six sessions, how long lasting are they? I mean, will a man need to then come back annually or like yeah, every you know, quarter or something? Question. So uh, as part of what I do, I also do clinical research. And so I started the SWEET study. So it's the Shockwave Erectile Enhancement Trial. And through the Gainswave Network, we identified 40 physicians who treat patients with Gainswave. And those, for the next year, those physicians will be recruiting their patients and they'll fill out questionnaires every three months. And what we really want to do is to get to about 3,000 patients and to follow them for several years to figure out what the decay in the uh, efficacy of this treatment is. So there are about two or three studies that have looked at this, and they show that there's about a 50% retention rate at one year. So what we typically do is put patients on a maintenance protocol, right? It's like if you go to the gym and work out like crazy for a month, is that exercise going to last for a year? No, of course not. You're going to have to keep going to the gym, keep staying in shape um, because as we age physically, we decay. And so it's critically important to find a maintenance protocol. Now in the sweet study, what we're going to do is we're going to look at different types of patients. So what's the decay in diabetics versus non-diabetics or smokers versus non-smokers or 50 year olds versus 70 year olds. And what we really want to do is to use artificial intelligence and neural network uh, technology to develop patient-specific protocols so that you can go in there on the computer and say, I'm 65 years old. Um, you fill out something called the SHIM score, which is a questionnaire about your erectile function. I take a beta blocker. I'm a diabetic. I smoke. And it's going to kick you out uh, a treatment plan that'll say you should take a firm nitric oxide booster. You should use... Uh, 12 gains wave treatments, uh, you should use a penile pump, uh, and maybe some of the other technologies that we're working on. And so it's a fantastic question on how long it works for. The short answer is 50% at one year, but the longer answer is we're really working hard to develop patient-specific protocols to understand what the best maintenance protocols will be. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, what we're talking about here is new blood vessels. So how do you maintain new blood vessel growth as we age too, if you don't do anything to support it? Yeah, well, another aspect of this, which is really critically important, is nighttime erections. 
right? When you're younger, you take it for granted. You get three to six erections every night, and each of those erections lasts five or 10 minutes, right? So you're basically stretching the penile tissue. So if you, where's my penis? Not my, my penis, but my penis model. <laughs> oh gosh, what did I do with that? Okay, all right. So this outer part of the penis is called the tunica, right? Tunic, like a shirt, like a covering, and it's white. So it's called the tunica albuginea, right? And since the blood pressures in the penis get higher than the blood pressures in the aorta, and the penis, you know, is used during intercourse, and sometimes that can be traumatic, this tissue is actually twice as thick as the tissue in the aorta, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. But because it's that thick, it's mo ma uh, made mostly of collagen with a little bit of elastin. Elastin is the tissue in the body that can stretch, and obviously the penis can stretch, but more importantly, it's strong tissue. And so if you're not stretching the penis, and especially stretching the penis at night for 30 to 60 minutes, this tissue is going to get fibrotic and tough. So think about it. If you don't stretch your hamstring for a year, and then you're asked to go running, is it going to work for you? No, of course not. If, and this tissue is similar to a hamstring, right? So if you don't stretch your penis for a year, what's going to happen when the first time you want to push blood into it? it's not going to stretch very much. And then the tissue in here is spongy tissue, right? But if you're not getting oxygenated blood into the penis, what happens? If you don't have oxygen to tissue in the body, you get fibrosis, you get scar tissue. And this spongy tissue collapses. So think about it. If you wash the car one day and then you take the sponge and you, you put it out and you forget to bring it in and it sits in the sun for a couple of days, it gets that kind of thin, compressed um, consistency. So then when you're trying to push blood into a fibrotic, spongy tissue, it becomes more difficult to get blood into that tissue. And then finally, you need to stretch the penis in order for it to retain its length. So when guys talk about how long their penis is, they don't talk about how long it is in the shower, they talk about how long it is when they get an erection. But if you're not stretching the penis frequently, the erections will become shorter. And I talk to guys about this all the time, but most guys don't even want to think about the fact that their penis is shorter than it used to be. But the fact of the matter is, by the time you hit 60 or 65, your stretch penile length when you get an erection is going to be shorter than it was when you were 20. But there's a very easy way to fix this problem. And that's a penile stretching device. And this is made famous in, a, in the movie Austin Powers. But it's really critically important for men as they get older, if they're not getting nighttime erections and you want to maintain physical intimacy, what you do is, this was one of my favorite gifts one of my patients brought back from Bali, but it also works really well as a bottle opener, <laughs> is use a penile pump. So this creates a vacuum and this will stretch the penis. Everyone, every man, if they put a, their penis in a penile stretching device like this, I think this one's made by Jaceva. And this is the one that I like because it's really good quality. You'll get penile stretch. 
And then if you stretch it a little bit more, you can kind of, now this won't give you a longer erection than you had when you were younger. But if you're 65 and you want to get that inch back that you lost over the years, this is the way to do that. So I call this the two by four protocol twice a day, four cycles in the morning and four cycles in the evening. So each cycle is you inflate this, you get a full erection, you hold it in there for a minute. Then there's a little red button on the end. You push the button, erection immediately goes away because this is a vasculogenic venous instead of an arterial erection, right? So you're just pulling venous blood from the pelvis into the penis. Then you do it again, a little quicker this time, hold it for a minute then release it one more time. Do that four times, twice a day. Now, if you're 45, you don't need to do this. But if you're beginning to lose nighttime erections and you notice your penis is getting shorter, this is a way to maintain penile length and penile health. And these pumps are pretty inexpensive. I think this is three or $400. Now, for some men, like say you have prostate cancer, and you totally lost the ability to get an erection because you had a non-nerve sparing prostatectomy because you had a high Gleason score or you had more advanced disease. What you can do is use those penile pumps and then put a ring around the base of it. This is a silicone ring. And that keeps the blood in the penis and maintains a rigid erection. So for some men, getting an erection the normal way is not an option but they want to maintain that physical intimacy. So physical intimacy really, I mean, that's the most important part of life. I ask my patients all the time, do you want to be the guy with a $200,000 car that's not having physical intimacy? Or do you want to be the guy with the beat up Volkswagen, but you're getting, you know, you're getting laid every single night. You know, there are very few guys that are going to choose the car. Right? Yeah. What would you choose? <laughs> yeah, I can. I, I can, choose a crappy car, of course. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine right. that one at a car dealership. Like, do you want yeah, that one? Yeah, like most guys are focused on a two hundred thousand dollar car instead of doing what they need to do to become more physically intimate with a with their partners. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, for some people, this is this is the only option. Yeah. So what you just, yeah, I mean, that's, again, uh, I'm loving that we're sharing this kind of information because this is the kind of stuff that just doesn't typically get shared anywhere unless you're having a one-on-one -on -one doctor's consultation with like someone like yourself. So this, I think, is fantastic for anyone yeah, who's... Can, can I put a plug into my Facebook page? Mm -hmm. So I have a Facebook Live that I do where I sit down with a real patient and we follow our patients every week for 12 weeks. And we talk to them about testosterone replacement, about gains wave, about penis pumps, about nitric oxide booster, about man managing their diabetes, about their heart disease. And these are real patients and it's happening in real time. So when you go to a doctor's website or Facebook page and they have a testimonial from a patient, you know, if you treat a hundred patients and one patient does well, you put that patient on your testimonial page and they're like, oh, Dr. Brandeis is like the greatest thing since sliced bread. But we're treating real patients in real time. So I don't know what's actually going to happen to this patient. I mean, I know because I've treated so many patients like him, but you can actually be in my consultation suite. You can hear what I talk to patients about. You can kind of feel the energy 
that we have at Brandeis MD and, and the concern that we have in the importance and the importance of this issue to men. This goes to the core of who we are as people, of our self-confidence. Uh, you know, we talk to guys about the size and the length of their penis. I mean, think about locker rooms when you were growing up. I mean, that's all guys talked about. Like, oh, you have a small penis, you have a big penis, whatever. This is, I mean, th this is who we are, but this is not what we like to talk about. We like to talk about Brexit and Donald Trump and this and that. But these are the really critically important issues that people are afraid to talk about. They're ashamed to talk about. And you shouldn't be afraid or ashamed to talk about it because if you are, you're not going to experience the life that you want to live. Does that make sense? Definitely. And, yeah. and so what we've talked about a lot is when someone has been diagnosed with erectile dysfunction. Um, but I'd also be interested then if for any males who are listening to this um, and they don't have an issue, but they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s maybe, and they, they haven't got a problem, how do they keep their penal health well as they age? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, first of all, that's where you get to the into the men's health articles of exercising, eating right, don't drink, don't smoke, make sure your cholesterol is in good shape. Uh, do all, you know, if you have diabetes, maintain really tight sugar controls, you know, all the things that keep your gen, uh, general health. But if you look at the Massachusetts male aging study, and this is the biggest longitudinal study of men's health in the United States, what they found is in their 40s, 40% of men in Massachusetts will have some degree of erectile dysfunction. In their 50s, it's 50%. In their 60s, it's 60%. In their 70s, it's 70%, so on and so forth. And so once you hit your 40s, you need to be doing some things, taking this more seriously if you want to maintain physical intimacy into their 60s, 70s, you know, I even had, this was one of my favorite patients of all time. So he's 91 years old. He comes in to see me for a prostate issue. And at the end of the visit, he leans in, he goes, I need to ask you something really embarrassing. I said, at 91, what could be embarrassing? He said, can I get some Viagra samples? I said, man, if I'm 91 and I'm asking for Viagra samples, I'm going to put it up on the billboard on the highway. But, you know, there, there are people that are sexually active into their 80s and even their 90s. And, and it's possible. And it's an important part of life. And so in your 40s, it would be important to take something like a nitric oxide booster. And when you take a nitric oxide booster at appropriate levels, what you'll find is all of a sudden you'll get much better morning erections. Morning, I love morning erections because morning erections really give you an indication of someone's vascular health. Because... If you get an erection in the morning, you know that there's, you're capable of producing enough blood flow to get erections. Whereas when you're with a partner, there's so many other dynamics. There's psychological dynamics. There's other dynamics about what time of day you're doing it. Did you eat a big meal? So for example, like if you're going to play for the club, country club tennis championship, are you going to play your championship match at 11 o'clock at night after a big meal and having a couple of glasses of wine? No, of course not. You're going to play at noon. You're going to eat the right meal. You're going to be well hydrated. You're not going to have alcohol. So people are complaining of erectile dysfunction at 11 o'clock at night with a full stomach and after you know going to the pub. So, But the other part of it is psychological. So I had this one patient who came in and he's like, ah, oh, doc, $100 down the drain. 
I said, what do you mean $100 down the drain? He goes, well, I took my wife out to a nice dinner. We got a good bottle of wine. I loaded up on Viagra. And then I said, one stupid ass thing, one stupid ass thing and $100 were down the drain. So, you know, there, there are a number of factors that can factor into whether you can be physically intimate with a partner. But morning erections really are a, a good sign of what your true vascular tone is in the morning. And so with that, because we're talking about then men looking how to stay healthy throughout their, as they age, is this an important sign that men should be looking for, that they, they still are maintaining regular morning erections, or how often should they be seeing this? Absolutely. Uh, and that's a great question in terms of how many, how often. I would say, you know, in your 20s, you should be having morning erections every morning. In your 30s, you know, maybe four or five days a week, waking up with morning erections in your 40s, at least two or three days a week. Um, but if you take a nitric oxide booster at a proper, at a proper dose, uh, you'll be able to maintain morning or erections, you know, easily well into your 50s. And so with uh, the nitric oxide uh, option then, is how does that work? Do you have to take a certain dosage or um, is there a loading period? Right. The nitric oxide booster that I recommend is called Affirm, and it's two tablets twice a day. And so Affirm consists of L-citrulline, and L-citrulline we get from the rind of watermelon. It consists of ginseng, of mirapuama, which is called potency wood. It's a tree that grows in Brazil, and beets. And these ingredients are all super high in nitric oxide-boosting substances. And so what happens is the L-citrulline is converted in the kidney into L-arginine, and L-arginine is a nitric oxide donor. So if you're taking a nitric oxide boosting supplement that's mostly L-arginine, L-arginine is metabolized by the liver before it really gets into the bloodstream. And so all it does is it lowers your blood pressure, but it's not boosting nitric oxide. What you have to do is to take something high in L-citrulline because L-citrulline is turned into L-arginine in the kidney and that L-arginine floats into the bloodstream and that donates the nitric oxide that your blood vessels need open up okay so and you said this is maybe a supplement then that most men from their 40s onwards that would just add as a daily supplement potentially to maintain their health absolutely and a lot of uh a lot of endurance athletes and weightlifters will use it uh, as a pre-workout boost Uh, maintaining nitric oxide a lot of elite endurance athletes will take it it non-specifically improves circulation so the, the reason that I, I kind of discovered or came onto this was when I was starting to do gains wave, I really didn't honestly believe that it worked. Uh, it was only until I had treated dozens and dozens of patients coming back and telling me how great it worked that I honestly believed that it worked. But when I was at UCLA, there was a professor named Lou Ignaro who ended up winning the Nobel Prize in 1998 for discovering nitric oxide as a second messenger. And a lot of the basic research behind Viagra and the way that Viagra work was also done at UCLA by one of my professors, Jake Wafer. And so nitric oxide was always kind of high on my list of things to, to talk to patients about. And so I started giving nitric oxide boosting supplement that I had compounded locally to my patients. And what I found is my patients wanted to remain on it. And I asked them, I said, why why do you want to be on this? This is just for erections. And they said, no, 
we feel like we're thinking better. And so then I really delved into the literature. And what the literature shows is that it improves cerebral blood flow. So you, the patients were thinking better. And it reduces your risk of dementia. It reduces your risk of Alzheimer's. I've had patients who are diabetic that say that they take less insulin. And the reason for that isn't that it doesn't have anything to do with sugars. It's because you get better blood flow to the pancreas. I've had patients with neuropathy tell me that their neuropathy is better. And it's just because their peripheral circulation is better. It doesn't do anything in particular to the nerves. So nitric oxide is really an important neurotransmitter and chemical for your body to have and have in high supply so that you can get blood flow. And that blood flow will deliver whatever is needed in uh, your, in your periphery. And when is, is there an optimal time to take nitric oxide? Is it with, with or without food or is it uh, tiered through the day or only in the morning, evening? Is there any, any nuance like that? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a nutritional supplement. And so it's basically watermelon rind, beets, ginseng. And so you can take it with or without food. You can really take it anytime you want. And so what we usually do with a firm is we put patients on a loading dose. And so that's two tablets twice a day. And that will give you the equivalent of three to four grams of L-citrulline. And then after taking a full bottle, which is usually by the time patients finish a full course of treatment of Gainswave, then we'll put patients on two tablets once a day. And you can take that with or without food. Brilliant. Okay, so to, so just to summarize a little bit of what we talked about there was um, to for a, a male who hasn't got erectile dysfunctional dysfunction, they can still maintain good uh, health there. And it, it could just be as simply as taking a nitric oxide supplement like a firm then from their 40s onwards. Is there anything else that you would recommend for men then to also look to do? Well, you know, like general health, which is something that you guys talk a lot about on your show, uh, you know, maintaining good physical conditioning, eating right, watching your cholesterol, don't drink, don't smoke. Uh, but then as you begin to experience erectile dysfunction, Gainswave is a, a, a great treatment modality to grow the new blood vessels that you need to keep erectile function later in life. Uh, and there are even some people that use it for what we call performance issues. So say your erections are still good, but you want to go from good to great. You can use Gainswave to go from good to great. Uh, a lot of my patients that I see, because I'm a urologist, are tend to be in their 60s, and those are the patients that have uh, – taken Viagra for many years, and now the Viagra is not working as well. Right. And so we'll put someone on a nitric oxide booster, we'll do gains wave, we'll encourage them to use a penis pump, a penile stretching device, and they'll begin to get erectile function back. Now, there's one other thing that's pretty popular called a P-shot. Have you heard about a mm -mm. P-shot? Okay, so this uh, P-shot was popularized by Dr. Runnels. Um, and basically what P-shot is, is platelet-rich plasma. So have you guys talked at all on your show about platelet-rich plasma or stem cells or exosomes? I haven't got into that yet, no. So this is a, a pretty new field, although PRP has been around for at least five or 10 years. So PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. So when you cut yourself, did you ever wonder why that particular area of your skin heals faster 
then the rest of the skin around it grows. The reason for that is actually platelets. And so there are four phases of wound healing. The first is clotting. And so you have platelets that hone to an area of injury. So the area of injury produces these things called inflammatory cytokines. And basically what they are is like if someone's robbing a bank and the people in the bank pull an alarm and that sends the alarm, the police know exactly where to go. So in an injury, your bodily tissue sounds the alarm and the platelets know exactly where to hone to create a clot. The next thing that happens is you have white blood cells that come in and those white blood cells gobble up the bacteria and remove the dead tissue. And then the third thing that happens is called proliferation. Proliferation is growth of cells in that area of injury, so you heal the injury. And that's actually mediated by platelets. So the good Lord put together this amazing system where platelets carry growth factors. There have been over 140 growth factors identified within platelets. And so when the platelets get to the area of injury, they get activated. When they get activated, they open up their arms and they grab onto other platelets. And what that does is it creates this web that then forms the clot. But then the growth factors kick in and they stimulate stem cells and other cells in the area to grow to fill in the gap. And then finally, there's remodeling. So some really smart people figured out that if you draw blood and you spin the blood, the red cells will go to the bottom because the red cells are heavy with iron. The plasma, which is the water that your blood cells float in, will go to the top. And there's a middle layer that consists of platelets and white blood cells. And so if you draw up the platelets and resuspend it in a little bit of plasma, you can use it in all sorts of different areas. So very popular is to use it in orthopedics. So you can in- inject it into joints and areas that aren't healing in orthopedics. They use it a lot in hair growth, so androgenic alopecia. So all this hair that I have right here is all new hair. So I've injected, or my wife, she's a dentist, injects it into my scalp kind of as an experiment, and I've grown about 40% increase in density in my hair. Uh, it's also used in what's called the vampire facelift. So uh, it's microneedling, so inject, uh, they use a little needle to create little holes, which are little microtrauma. And then when you do that, if you use PRP, it accelerates the healing process. And you can actually use it um, in the penis, one, to help improve Peyronie's disease remodeling. Second is to improve erections. And so it, in my experience, it doesn't work as a single modality to treat erectile dysfunction. But when you do shockwave therapy, when you do gains wave, what you're doing is you're stimulating stem cells. It's kind of like planting a little plant and allowing it to grow. And what the PRP is, what the PEEP shot is, is fertilizer growth factors for those little blood vessels to accelerate their growth. And so anyone out there in your, uh, in your podcasting uh, followers that has heard of the P shot or PRP, that's what it is. Okay, fantastic. And again, you know, exactly what you're saying in a situation like this, you you might not just benefit from one type of treatment modality. If you stack all of these together is when you get the optimal uh, solution is what I'm hearing. Exactly. So we call it triple therapy. So initially gains wave with a firm nitric oxide booster, and then also things like Viagra, PDE5 inhibitors, 
they're really important because they work with nitric oxide and they work really well and they're relatively safe. And now that they're generic, they're inexpensive. So I don't be afraid of using a PD-5 inhibitor like sildenafil, like tadalafil. They work great, but they're not fixing the underlying problem. They're just temporizing the problem. So something like Gainswave, something like a nitric oxide booster, something like a vacuum erection device, or even a P-shot, those are things that are going to more permanently fix the problem and allow you to be like my 91-year-old man who's asking for Viagra samples when he's 91 years old. Yeah. Well, hopefully most men listening to this podcast, they hope that they get to 91 and they get to ask a doctor that question one day. That'll be fun. <laughs> uh, Dr. Brandes, thank you so much uh, for sharing such great information. I've learned a ton myself um, and I'm sure everyone listening to this has done the same. If anyone wants to maybe follow you, contact you, you mentioned your Facebook page earlier. Um, are there any other um, particular online resources you recommend to people? Sure. So I have a website, which is Brandeis, B-R-A-N-D-E-I-S-M-D.com. And I have educational, narrated educational videos on almost everything that I do. So things that I do are Gainswave, vacuum erection device, nitric oxide boosters, PDE5 inhibitors. We do penile augmentation. We do vasectomies. Uh, we treat uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, gosh, what else? Testosterone therapy. Uh, and so my, one of my passions in life is educating uh, patients. And also I do a lot of national teaching for physicians. So one of my passions in life is educating doctors, educating patients. And I produce all these narrated videos myself to teach patients because I, I honestly feel like some doctors just want to tell patients what to do and just patient's going to do what, what the doctor tells him to do. I honestly feel like it's so critically important to educate patients because if you have an educated patient and they understand the why, they understand why you're doing what you, what you say that you're doing, they understand the rationale behind your treatment plan, they're going to participate more fully and they're going to get much better outcome. And so they're going to be happy and I'm going to be happy. They're going to tell their friends and we're going to be able to spread this message uh, that there are things that you can do. There are biohacks for the aging penis. This concept of biohacking really is brilliant. And I really applaud the things that you've been doing. I've, I've watched a number of your podcasts and webcasts uh, and it's really amazing. Thank you. So uh, that's a long answer. So I have a, a YouTube channel. I have a website. I have a Vimeo page. Uh, I have a Facebook and the, my Facebook, it's really amazing to watch uh, these patients really open up about um, their sexual function and their health issues. And I've had a number of pa patients who've come in after seeing these Facebook lives saying that seeing someone else talk about these personal issues gave me the courage to come to see you. Uh, and so, you know, my final message would be, this is a normal part of the aging process. But there are things that we can do as physicians and things that you can do as patients to improve your physical intimacy and maintain your erectile function into your 70s, into your 80s, into your 90s. That improves your confidence, that improves your self-worth, and that improves your joy of life. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing the information. Um, you really did educate a lot of people today. Um, and I will link to all of those in the show notes for everyone. Again, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Cheers.